I'd love it if you would turn with me in your Bibles or switch your Bible on, because uh, uh, I know many of us would look at it now on a phone or on a tablet. Um, but if you have whatever format you're looking at it, uh, to John chapter 11, uh, to a very familiar story, a true story of something that happened in the life of Jesus, and uh, be well known to many of you, but I trust that this morning God's going to uh, breathe something fresh upon his word. Because isn't it amazing, no matter how many times we go to God's word, and however familiar we might be with a story, I believe that God's always got something fresh to say to us, don't you? And that he's got some sort of new angle, or just wants to remind us of some things that we already know. So that's my prayer anyway this morning, uh, as we turn to this. So we're going to read it in a number of uh, chunks this morning, because it's quite a long passage. Uh, so we're going to read the first portion, then we'll uh, look into that, and then we'll move on through the story as it unfolds in John 11. So verse 1. Now a man named, named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick, or he's ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, this illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days. Yeah, you did read that correct. He didn't just run off and put the blue light on the uh, donkey and start going straight off there. He, he, he waited. And we haven't got time to unpack this really, but, but you'll notice that Lazarus died probably while the messenger was en route to Jesus. It wasn't like Jesus was playing around here. I think he knew that, that Lazarus was already gone. You can work that out through the chronology of the story and I'll help you with that later if you want to. But anyway, he waits where he is two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. If you jump forward to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So let me help you with the chronology. It took the messenger one day to reach Jesus. Jesus then waits two more days. And then it takes him a day to get back to Bethany. That's the four days. So you can work it back and see that, that Lazarus was already probably dead by the time the messenger had arrived with the news. Now, um, so now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Lord said, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. We're going to pause at that point, and uh, we'll come back to the rest of the story later on. Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege this morning of gathering in your name, in freedom, uh, and in expectation that you're going to speak to us today. And Lord, I pray right now that you would open up all of our hearts. Uh, Lord, now take away the distractions that might be playing on our mind and help us to focus uh, upon you today. And Lord, I pray that the, the words that I bring might be helpful in that, that they may not be mine, but you would be gracious enough to speak through me uh, and encourage these people today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I don't know if we've got the first slide that we could show, please. Yeah, I don't know. Look at that picture. It says, I don't understand any of this. I don't know about you, but I have tried, and not very successfully at times, to homeschool my children. And maybe you've tried the same, and some of you didn't have any option recently, whether you liked it or not, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or an auntie or an uncle or even maybe an older brother, but you've had the joy, inverted commas, of trying to homeschool your children. And I often got that reaction, if I'm honest, that, you know, my children would be there going, Dad, I don't understand it, particularly when it came to maths. Um, I'm not sure that it was my fault or their fault or a combination of both or whether we were speaking a different language, but my kids often would put their heads in their hands and say, Dad, I don't understand it. It didn't help that they had the pressure of an exam the next day. That didn't help us. Uh, but they would say, Lord, I don't know where the decimal point goes. I don't care really where the decimal point goes. Does it matter? Dad, I wish Pythagoras had kept his theorem to himself. My brain just doesn't get it, and I, I hope it's not just me who's been that unsuccessful. I would take some comfort in others perhaps struggling. But, but, but the, I don't understand any of this, Dad. I don't know about you, but uh, there are times in my life when I say something similar to God. I say, God, I love you, but I don't understand you or the things that you do. I just don't get it. I wonder if any of you have ever said that to God as well. God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Maybe you've said it with tears in your eyes. I don't get it. Earlier this year, I have a good friend who uh, lived in Pembrokeshire in Wales. Uh, Helen and I live in Cardiff. And um, he was a good friend of ours. His name was Paul. And Paul was in his late 60s. And for many, many years, he'd led a church, uh, a very successful church in Pembrokeshire. And he'd retired about the end of last year. And he was looking forward. He was one of these people that was full of life and full of energy, full of love for God and full of love for life and full of love for his wife called Pearl. And um, they just retired and they loved to go cruise, you know, a cruise ship. That was their favorite thing to do. And they just loved life. And one morning in February this year, he went out into the garden just to begin to tidy things up. And as he was there, he had a massive stroke and never regained consciousness. And a few days later, about a week or so later, they had the, the terrible decision of having to switch off the machine that was keeping him alive. And Paul was taken home to heaven. And I know that's better for him. But I do look and I say sometimes, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand somebody who's given their life to you and, and been devoted to your church and was looking for. I don't understand now why Pearl has to face her life alone in those retirement years alone. I don't understand that. I don't understand it. I also don't understand when I'm about it, the COVID pandemic. I don't understand it really. I don't know if you've thought about it now as we reflect on it. I know that God didn't cause it. And I believe that for the prayers of God's people and God's restraining hand, it could have been worse. But so many people died and so much pain was induced and inflicted. Lord, I don't understand why you allowed that. I don't understand it. I don't understand much, really, do I? When some of you are thinking, why is he up there this morning? But we don't understand things. I don't understand sometimes. I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for many years. And I prayed for my family also to become Christians and neighbors. And some of them have, but some of them haven't. And I pray, and Helen prays, and we carry on. But I don't understand it. 
I don't understand because I think that's what God wants to happen. At least I'm sure it is because the Bible tells me. But why does it take so long? Perhaps you can explain that to me later. I'd love a cup of coffee with you. But I don't understand it. And, and how do we live with that? And this morning I want us to draw some truths, perhaps some help, some advice. I'm not pretending that one short, shortish sermon can, can solve the big why problem, but I do think there's one or two things contained in the story that we've just read that might just be able to help us contend with the why question, because I think we've all got a why in our lives somewhere. And the first thing I notice as we look back into John chapter 11 is this, and I've summarized it in this way. Number one, that faith hopes even when it hurts. That faith and people of faith and Christian faith, they hope even when it hurts. In verse 21, we read the words, um, Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Imagine just for a moment that she's just lost her brother. We know it's four days or thereabouts. It's still, she's still raw. She's still hurting. It's painful. And many of you here know what that feels like. The whole emptiness of that situation. Like your world has disappeared. Your world has fallen apart. You don't know how you can carry on. That's how she was. So I think it would be fair to say, although the Bible doesn't say it, that she would have come to Jesus in agony of heart. She may well have had tears streaming down her face. And lots of questions. I think inside she was really thinking, I hope she was anyway, Jesus, where were you when we needed you? Where were you when we needed you? Where were you, Jesus? I so wish you'd been with us because we know that if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And that's a correct statement. Lord Jesus, why didn't you come when we sent the message? Somehow, could you have not done something? Could you have not spoken the word from a distance? She would have known that Jesus did that on occasions and people got healed. He didn't need to be right where uh, they were for them to be healed. Why did you wait two days, Jesus? Jesus, perhaps she's even thinking, I thought you loved us. I thought you were our friend. Interesting, the word Lazarus, the meaning of the word Lazarus was the one who God helps. The one who God helps. At this point, I'm wondering whether Mary is thinking, that's ironic. Because he hadn't really helped. But she didn't say those things. Maybe I'm doing it a disfavor, but I think she's human, just like you and me. And I suspect if we were in her situation, we might have said the same things. Friends, I would think that, to be honest, this morning we all have a room with a Lazarus in it. If we're honest, we have an area of our life which we might keep locked away. If only God had done something in this area, this wouldn't have happened. And we don't like to go there because it's not very nice. But it's a prayer that wasn't answered for a loved one to be healed. It's a son or a daughter or a spouse that despite years of prayer hasn't come to faith yet and seems perhaps to go further away. It's a ministry that God had for you or for me that didn't work out. It's a relationship that was never restored. It's an area of pain inflicted by another that was never actually healed or is never healed. You can fill in the blanks. But what I want you to look at this morning is this, is that amongst the pain of that sentence, there's one word that gives us hope. And that's the word Lord. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Lord, if you had not been here, my brother would not have died. The word Lord in this sentence, I think, is not a kind of label. It's not like Mr. or Doctor or Teacher. It's a, a statement of surrender. It's Mary saying, Lord, I'm crying, but you're still Lord. You are still God of all. You are still in charge. You are still Messiah. Jesus, I'm disappointed, but you're still Lord. Jesus, my brother is gone, but you're still Lord. In our context, it could somewhat be this. Jesus, someone has gone that I loved, but you're still Lord. I wonder this morning if there's a, you're still Lord in this place, in your life. Maybe this morning God has brought you along and maybe it's your first time in church, I don't know, and maybe some of this is a bit strange to you, but I'm sensing that, well, I want to encourage you this morning that, that, that God enables us, even in the toughest of circumstances, to say, God, even though I don't understand it, I choose by faith today to say that you're still in charge, you're still Lord, you're still good, and your love endures forever. Because faith hopes even when it hurts. It doesn't give up. It doesn't give up. It doesn't quit. But faith endures. And faith hopes even when it hurts. It's a bit like the graffiti found on the wall of a basement in Cologne in Germany. Where a Jewish believer is thought to have been hiding from the Gestapo uh, during the war. And it says this, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I am alone. I believe in God even when he is silent. You see, faith hopes even when it hurts. It hopes even when it doesn't understand. It trusts in those situations. I think Mary and Martha were trying to say, I believe in God even when he's too late. I still believe you're still Lord. I find it helpful when I'm in situations where I don't understand things, where I'm helping people with questions that they don't understand. And as a pastor, that sometimes happens. And people go, Steve, can you help me make sense of this? And I'm going, probably I can't. And what I have to do sometimes, and maybe what you find yourself doing is, even though I can't answer that question for you, let us remind ourselves of what we do know about God. And we do know that he loves us. We do know that he sent his son to die on a cross. We do know that he cares. We do know, as we find in this story later on, that he weeps with us. We do know he is the right hand of God the Father interceding for us. We do know that by faith, everything is being worked together for those who love him and accord according to his purpose. See, friends, sometimes it doesn't help us to focus on what we do understand, don't understand, but it helps us when we focus on what we do understand. It's like that tapestry, and you've probably heard this illustration before. When you look at one side of a tapestry, it looks a mess. You know, if you have a tapestry or if you've seen one, I think we might have a slide of one. There it is. That's one side of it. Doesn't look very pretty, does it? And some of you might look at that this morning. Well, that, that kind of sums up my life. It's a bit messy. There's lots of empty threads. There's lots of confusion. I don't get it. But if we look at the next slide, we see that actually on the other side, there's something of beauty. It's a picture, there's a story being told, and, and I want to encourage you this morning, friends, we don't have to understand it all. See, our perspective is different from God's. We're on one side, not that side, but the other side, that's how it might look for us. But God's working it together if we trust him. Over the last uh, year or so, we've all got a story to tell, haven't we? We've got a story of pain and suffering and disappointment of death or illness or unemployment or struggle. 
It's a part of our lives. In November 2020, my dad went to be with Jesus in heaven. Spent the last four days of his life. We didn't know he was going to die that quickly in hospital and nobody could go and see him because of the COVID restrictions. And he went to be with Jesus at that time. What made it worse is that Helen and I both had COVID at that time as well and we couldn't even get and see my mum. And, and that's hard, isn't it? But what we have to do is just, I, I found myself, God, I don't understand that. And if I think too hard, long and hard about that, but Lord, I trust that you're in control. And when my mum got eventually into the hospital to see him that afternoon and he was still laid in the hospital bed she could see that next to his bed and he thought he was going home that day he'd rung my mum earlier in the morning and said I'm coming home get ready what he didn't realize is he was going home but home up there and next to his bed there was a bible and he'd opened his bible he'd read his daily bread so pick up yours at the end or whenever whatever you need to do Uh, and he opened it and he read it for that day and those words comforted my mum why am I saying all that this morning is, is faith hopes even when it hurts. And you'll have your story and it's probably more painful than mine. In 1900, Hudson Taylor, the great pioneer missionary to China, suffered a nervous breakdown. You know, he was speaking at a meeting in Boston in the United States. Um, and when he was on stage, he began to repeat the same two phrases again and again and again. And it wasn't for impact It was because he just lost it there and then on stage in front of hundreds of people. Eventually, somebody uh, got up onto the stage and escorted this great man off the stage. He returned to London and then on doctor's orders was moved to Switzerland in a state of complete mental and physical exhaustion. That was where the terrible news reached him that 58 of his fellow missionaries and 21 children had been massacred in the revolution. The news was almost more than his aging heart and exhausted mind could endure. He said this, I cannot read, I cannot think, I cannot even pray, he admitted to his wife, but I can trust. I can't read, I can't think, I can't even pray, he admitted to his wife, but I can trust. With the benefit of hindsight, we can see that Hudson Taylor's faith was well placed. The blood of such martyrs was to become the seed of the Chinese church, which today is probably the fastest growing church anywhere on the globe. I can't read, I can't think, I can't even pray, but I can trust. So faith hopes even when it hurts. Number two, faith trusts even when it is tested. Let's read on. It says there in Luke, uh, sorry, Matthew, sorry, John chapter 11, verse 21. Let's read it again. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And I've underlined the even now for emphasis, okay? Not from the Bible, but that the quote is from the Bible. It's not underlined. But even now, God will give you. I love that. It almost seems to me that Martha's saying, Lord, it couldn't be any worse, but even now, even now, even now, my brother's in the tomb, but even now, I believe that God will give you whatever you ask. Let's see how Jesus responds. Should we read on a little bit more uh, from verse 21 onwards? Jesus responds. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Let's try and make some sense of that. I think what's happening here is that Mar Martha has responded in the spirit realm almost by saying, I believe even now, God, you, God will give you whatever you ask. But Jesus is thinking one thing, she's thinking another. She's thinking, I'm believing that one day I'm going to see him again because when there is this great resurrection of the dead, then I will see my brother again and there is a hope of heaven beyond this earth and we will be together. But it's almost like Jesus is saying, uh-uh, well, yes, that's true, but there's more. And Jesus takes her on a journey. Let's read on, shall we, down to uh, the conclusion of the story. Um, why don't we pick it up at verse 33. So what happens in the interim time is that Martha and Mary, have, sorry, Martha and Jesus have this conversation. Then Mary, the sister, comes and joins in the conversation. And interestingly, in verse 32, you'll notice she says the same things. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. That's interesting. Shows what they've been talking about, doesn't it? Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Interesting, isn't it? Two different people coming to different conclusions by what they say. One going, how he loved him. The other saying, couldn't he have done something about this? Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid over the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Wow. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have hear heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen? Friends, that's the saviour that we worship today. That's the Jesus who raises the dead. And we know that there's something bigger going on than just the raising of a dead man. It's a proclamation that Jesus is Messiah. He is the, the, the one who will be resurrected from the dead, who will be raised again from the tomb. Interestingly, the tomb sounds just like the tomb in which they lay Jesus. And the stone was rolled away. And we know that he is the victor over sin and death and hell. And he's proclaiming, I am the resurrection and the life. There is a hope beyond the grave today. And friends, I want to encourage us. We're Easter people. We're resurrection people. We are people that believe even in the impossible, aren't we? 
that we don't just look with the eyes of, um, of the human eyes, but actually God has given us a capacity to think and pray beyond that and actually declare over some things that are dead life. And I believe that we're in as a season right now as a church. You know, I don't mean this church, I mean the church in this nation. I believe it in my spirit that, that, that God is, is, is encouraging us to speak life over some dead things. Not to mourn and to wail any longer. I think we've done that too much as churches in the UK. But actually to remember who we are and whose we are. And that we have the spirit of the living God upon us and inside of us. And we are able to speak life. There is power in prayer. There is power in declaration. I really believe that. I think God is... Once again, encouraging us. Remember the story of Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, where God shows him a picture and he sees this picture of dead bones. And uh, God wants to raise up an army again, but it looks like there's just bleached bones in the desert. And I haven't got time to unpack the story. But God instructs Ezekiel in verse 4 of Ezekiel 37. He says this Then the Lord said to him, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? That you're, you're confronted with a pile of dry bones and, you're, and God tells you to speak to the bones. That is crazy. In the human, that's, that's not going to get much response. But actually, when you're doing it, when God says you, you're to do it, then something amazing can happen. And we know the end of that story, that the, those bones began to come together and he's told to prophesy breath and life into them. And, and I know this is almost like a prophetic picture for us as well, but I wonder right now whether God is calling his church in the UK to rise up again, not to be discouraged, not to have our hands down and our heads bowed, but actually to remember who we are. And actually, there could be some places that God wants, I believe in this news, to bring life where there's death. I think there's some communities in Plymouth and God says, I am finished there right now. And as we speak and as we pray and as we prophesy, because there's a prayer of petition, but there's also a prayer of declaration. There's a prayer when Jesus uh, prayed for people, you know, spoke over them. He didn't pray for them to be healed. He just told them to be healed. And I know that unless we got the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the direction of the Spirit to do that, then we would just waste our words. But there are some times when we have to speak to some things. When you know in your heart, it doesn't make any sense to your flesh, as it were, but you know that God's going to do something in a situation. And right now, I wonder whether that's what God wants to do. And I hope that even as I speak, that maybe faith is beginning to arise. Because I think what Jesus wants to do is a bit like he did with Martha. He wants to take us from that place of desolation and grief and mourning And even though we don't know where we're going, we're just following with Jesus. And he takes us away from our home and he takes us to a graveyard and we don't really want to go and it's painful and it's hurting. And then he says, roll the stone away. And Martha's not happy about that because it's embarrassing. But she goes with it. She trusts enough to go, okay, Jesus, if you say so, I'll do it or we'll do it. And then Jesus speaks the words, Lazarus, come out. And I love it what one commentator put it this way. He said, just as well, Jesus prefaced it with the words Lazarus. Otherwise, all the dead bodies in the cemetery would have come out. Because that's the power of our God. And I hope I'm communicating today, but I just sense in my heart, if God's saying anything to us right now as a church and as individuals, friends, it's this, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Watch the confession of your mouth. 
Don't speak death over something, but speak life over something. There's, power, there's life and death in the power of the tongue, the Bible says. It's not just words. Remember, Jesus spoke creation into being when we have this Holy Spirit. There's something powerful about that. Now, I'm not saying you can do that in any and every situation and things will happen, but I, want, I believe that God's moving us into a situation where we can speak those things and that we're going to see some miracles before our very eyes. We're not just going to read about them in here because God's not finished and he can still do them in your life and in my life. I wonder what he wants to do in your life. But he needs you to come and say, Lord, even though it hurts, a faith in you. Even though I'm feeling tested, I'm going to keep on believing in you. I'm going to keep on trusting in you. Keep on believing in you. See, the, the, um, the Lord's Prayer is interesting in many, many ways. But we often pray those words, your kingdom come, your will be done. But in Greek, the original language of the New Testament, they're phrased slightly differently. It's the same words, but they're just around the other way. And actually, the proper translation is, is this, be done, will of God. That's interesting, is it not? There's a difference there. It's not about position. It's not asking. It's declaring something. Lord, even as we pray of your city, we're declaring that your kingdom's going to come, that your will is going to be done in this place, in this place, in this place, in this place. There is power when we declare. But there's power when we persist. And with this, I'm going to finish. That there, well, with the declaration, there's come persistency. And friends, I do believe it's time for us to strengthen our prayer muscles again, to keep on praying and I know there's many good people in this place who prayed and prayed and prayed for different things. But I sense this morning God saying, don't give up. Do not give up, but keep on going. I brought my baseball bat this morning, not because I was expecting trouble. <laughs> but you're warned. Um, but, but I brought this because I heard an American speaker recently, a guy called Mark Batterson, talking about prayer. And he says this, obviously for an American, he would use a, a baseball illustration rather than a cricket illustration, but the two will probably be acceptable and would work. And he said this, imagine you're a top baseball player, but you go through a bad run of form. And, you know, maybe you're going out into the middle and, you know, they're throwing the ball at you at 100 miles an hour and you keep missing. And usually you don't do that, but you keep missing. He says this, wouldn't it be extraordinary if that top player decided I'm not going to try anymore? because I missed a few, and I had a few bad innings, and I'm on a bad run, but I'm just going to put my bat away and go. He says, sometimes we're a little bit like that with prayer. Just because we miss a few times doesn't mean to say we give up, does it, church? I think, well, I think it's a great illustration that, that Mark uses, and I, I sense that's something that my spirit needs to hear, because this occasion there are times when I give up praying. I start out in prayer and I'm really going for it and I'm believing that God's going to do something awesome in the situation. But my problem is this, if God doesn't do it in my time scale, then I'm quite likely to give up and be a bit discouraged. But I sense in my spirit that God's going, Steve, don't give up, get the bat and swing again. And to be honest with you, my batting or my praying average is not that great. I probably miss more than I hit. At least I think I do and that's what I see. But friends, I want to encourage you, that's not going to let me stop so this morning, I want to encourage you as we bring this into land, are there some prayers that you need to keep praying? Are some prayers you've just given up on? Some people that you prayed for and it was just too difficult and you got discouraged and you've given up or maybe you've been praying for your neighbours or your community or your street and, or your office or your workplace and you, you were praying but, but now you're not and I think God's saying today, it's time to pick up the bat and have another swing. 
And you might say, well, I've been trying for six months. Well, try a few more. Maybe it's two years or ten years. I don't know what God's going to do and what time, but I think it's time to swing again, don't you? To see what God could do. Because I feel that he's going to do something amazing amongst us. But we've got to be people that pray and don't give up. We've got to be people that prophesy life where there's death. And have a conviction in their spirit that our God can do it because he is a God who raises the dead. He's the God who brings life out of the tomb, who rose uh, Lazarus. And it's a great picture, is it not, of Lazarus staggering out of the tomb. Imagine, wouldn't you have liked to have been there that day and seen that? I don't know what the reaction is. I bet some are going, yes, but I think a few are going, wow. That's why Jesus has to say, oh, go and take the grave clothes off and don't stand there. Go and help him because he was, sur- you know, he's wrapped up in these grave clothes. I wonder if we can stand. I'm going to pray together. And maybe the worship team would like to come back into position ready. But what I'd love to do this morning, I know that sometimes to awaken faith in our hearts, we can be so discouraged sometimes that that we need somebody to stand alongside us. Or other times, maybe this morning, you just feel like you want to respond in faith this morning and say, yeah, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe for that area of my life that seems like it's dead It seems like there's nothing happening. There's no hope there. But this morning, as an act of faith, I'm going to respond to God and I'm going to declare life over that situation. And this morning, if you'd love us to pray with you, we count it a great privilege. Helen and I and some of the prayer team here, we would love, not because our prayers are any better than your prayers or more powerful, uh, but, you know, he's the powerful one, not us, but that we have a faith this morning to believe for some breakthroughs. And it may come immediately, it may come over time, but I wonder this morning if, if there's some people here and you're going, yeah, I, I, I'm believing afresh today. I'm believing afresh. Maybe some of you want to come and stand, for, as it were, for the church and say, God, I'm believing for something awesome in this new season of ministry. And in this church, Lord, we want to see you move in power. Maybe you just want to come and do that, but, but the altar's open, the front of the building is open. Why don't you come and the prayer team, we're going to come and we're just going to lay hands on you. We might just ask you very quickly what it is you'd like us to pray for. We don't have to go into details, but we want to pray that prayer of agreement with you. Sometimes a faith jet just quickens something. Think, well, God can hit, you know, answer my prayer right back at the back here. But yeah, that's true, he can. But sometimes that very active standing in faith maybe you're standing for somebody this morning you're going yeah i'm believing for that person that's perhaps in a really bad way physically and they need a touch maybe you need a job maybe you need a financial breakthrough this morning and you look at your finances you go god i can't see how this is going to work We'd love to pray with you and just go, Lord, we declare life. Right now, we declare life in finances. We believe that you are the Jehovah Jireh, that you are the provider. For those this morning that are in need, we pray for your provision. We pray, we speak life. We speak life. We speak life.
we speak life. We speak life. We speak life. Why don't you just, maybe in your mind's eye right now, wherever you are, wherever you're stood in the auditorium, I'm sure there's something in your life right now where it seems like a pretty difficult situation. Maybe it's a relationship, employment, whatever it might be. And I want to encourage you as we, we pray that, that God will come. Why don't you just begin to speak life? Why don't you begin to pray right now? But if you need somebody to pray with you or would, would will, welcome that, then why don't you just come, just excuse yourself past the row and come and join us. We'd love to do that. But Lord, right now, you know what's on people's hearts in this room. Lord, you know the desperate situations that are in people's lives, relationship, finances, health situations, whatever it is, Father, we, in the name of Jesus right now, we declare and speak life. Lord, we pray for transformations. Lord, over our city, Father, over this city, Lord, we declare your life. Lord, we pray that many would come to know you in this community. Lord, we pray that there'd be a season of, of people, men and women, boys and girls and young people turning to God. Lord, we ask you just come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come 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 Holy Spirit. Maybe there's some here this morning and you've never fully put your faith or your trust in Jesus. Maybe in some way you feel he's let you down or You've heard bad things about him and it's put you off, but you're here this morning, but you don't really know him personally. I believe he may be knocking at the door of your heart today and he never barges into our life. He waits to be invited. And maybe your response to this morning is to open that door and invite him in. The way that we do that is just by simply praying a prayer of asking his forgiveness, turning from the way that we've been living, believing that he died on the cross in our place to take the punishment for our sins, putting our faith and trust in him. Maybe you want to just pray this prayer with me. If that's you this morning, you've never opened your life to Jesus. But you can feel, you know, you don't understand it all, but you sense that he's knocking at the door of your heart. Why don't you just pray something like this with me? You don't have to pray it out loud, but pray it in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross in my place to take the punishment for my sins. And Lord, today I recognize that I've fallen short of your standard. I've sinned and come short of you. And Lord, I ask your forgiveness. I turn from that, my sin today, my wrongdoing, and I turn to you and I ask right now that you'll forgive me. 
You'll cleanse me. You'll give me a fresh start. You'll come and live in my heart and open my life to you right now. Come and live. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live in a way that pleases you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, then please come and have a chat with me or with David or maybe even the person that brought you this morning. And just tell them what you've done because we would love to help you get started on that journey. But welcome to God's family.